0: You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 83. All links and show notes can be found by going to LifeCoachingforParents.com/slash eighty-three. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired Podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself. Feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How are you? I just want to thank you guys so much for sharing this podcast with your friends. I can tell that people have been sharing, subscribing, leaving a review. All those things help other people find the podcast. And right now, we need as much support as we can handle. (laughs) Like, this is a time for super moms, and there's just a lot of chaos and craziness in the world. And so the more you can share and get the word out about this podcast— I think it makes the world a better, more peaceful place, which we all kind of need right now these days. So I'm d- doing a lot of things in the Facebook group. If you're not in the Super Mom's Getting Tired Facebook group, I suggest you join. By the time this goes live, I will have already done five tricks I learned to overcome anxiety. So if you've got a kid with anxiety, a friend or family member who's dealing with anxiety, it is the most treatable thing. It's not easy to treat. It takes time and it takes practice, but it's really not complicated. You know, if you join the Super Getting Tired, you can go back and, and find the video that I posted. So you can look on the video tab and revisit it. So, Or you can get on my mailing list and I will send you a copy because we just need as much help as we can handle right now. And today's topic, this question, is coming from Anne, and it's about competitive children, or child in this case. She says, Dear Tori, I have two kids, a seven-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy. I've always noticed my oldest has a hard time losing when we play board games. When she started jujitsu and swimming, she would get easily upset if she didn't get it right the first time and would get easily frustrated and give up. This year is the first time she's done a team sport. She started soccer and would be so upset when the other team scores and says, I'm the reason why our team lost. And she wants to give up. I know she's enjoying herself, but as soon as there's someone doing better or winning, she wants to give up. I've explained to her it takes practice and hard work to get better, etc. But she still pouts and is a sore loser. She's especially competitive and jealous with her little brother. I've tried talking, explaining, spending one-on-one time with her, etc. Today, she told me, I feel like I don't matter, and it broke my heart. This makes me frustrated, sad, and exhausted. I honestly don't know what to do. Yeah, this is really hard. It's so hard to watch your child have such negative self-talk, And then as a mom, you just feel completely helpless and powerless because you say all the right things. (laughs) It sounds like you've tried, you know, oh, let's focus on the positive. It's all about having fun or whatever. And she's just not having any of it. So the parent educator answer in this case, well, it's a little different today. But Dr. Stuart Brown, he wrote this book called Play, and he identified competitor as one of eight play personalities. Some children and adults enjoy setting goals and competing against themselves and others as a way to make an activity more interesting, more exciting. So if a competition is your child's play personality, you can use that. Be like, I'll race you to the top of the stairs. You know, who could be the first one to clear their dishes? You can use this to fuel them. So if anyone else is listening to this and you think, well, is it bad to be competitive? Just ask yourself, is my child enjoying the fight, the frustrations, and the fierce play that goes along with being competitive? So really take an outsider's view and observe it and see if they look like they're enjoying it. In Anne's case, it is clear that her daughter is not enjoying it. So when our child says, I don't matter, or you love the baby more than me, It hurts our mommy hearts. We don't want them to think these things, so we try to convince them that they aren't true. We appeal to their logic. We explain how we feel. You know, of course you matter to me. I love you. We tell them that their thoughts are wrong and to listen to our thoughts instead. This doesn't tend to work very well. Kids feel misunderstood instead of feeling seen, heard, and felt. When we see our child engaging in behavior that feels unhealthy, and here's an extra kicker, looks morally wrong. So when we have like a sore loser, it's like, ooh, there's a, a moral judgment of that. And it look, it's not good for her psyche. And it looks like, you know, kind of bad parenting, we jump into action. We're like, no, you can't act that way. You need to be a gracious winner. You need to be, you know, respectful. We explain to them that losing is no big deal and they should focus on being a team player. We might even punish them for misbehaving, you know, pull them off the field. You can't play if you're not going to be nice. And, and so it's, it's tempting and it probably would be, if you looked it up, how to handle be- a kid who's a sore loser, you might find that advice. That's kind of traditional parenting advice is to reward the behavior you want to see more of and ignore, discourage, or provide consequences for the behavior you want to see less of. But this isn't a behavior problem. So you could do that You could focus on your daughter's behavior and you could say, you're not allowed to act this way. You're not allowed to say those words. You're not allowed to talk to people this way, whatever. But then she's just going to learn how to not show you her feelings. She's just going to have to keep them inside. She's still going to have them. And so her external behavior might be more socially acceptable, but it's not getting to the root cause. That voice that says, I'm a loser, I don't matter, I know I'm going to fail, so why try? Like whatever she's got going on in there, that's not going to go away by teaching her to mold her behavior. We want to focus on her emotions and her inner dialogue. So you've already tried reasoning with her. Logic doesn't really work in this circumstance. You've said all the right mommy things, but it hasn't changed her beliefs about herself. For this We need a little life coaching. So the life coaching answer, the first thing we need to do in order to help our children change their beliefs about themselves, because that's what this is all about, is she is identifying as a loser who doesn't matter, who doesn't get as much love as her brother, whatever. And so we want her to change her beliefs about herself. And so the first step to doing that is to recognize that this is not a morality problem. It's not a behavior problem, and it's not a parenting problem. There isn't anything you did wrong to create this belief in her. We all pick up erroneous thinking. (laughs) I had... When I started life coaching, I started uncovering all of these core beliefs that I had about myself. And they were, I mean, they felt true. (laughs) They were very well ingrained. One of the beliefs I had about myself was, I can't be me. Well, who else am I supposed to be? Like, that's not even logical. But it's something I picked up as a very young child, that I can't be me here. I can't be myself. and so even though it doesn't make sense. I don't know where I got it or why, but I just picked it up and I carried it with me for the first few decades of my life. I also had the mantra. I really said this one a lot. Uh, if I know I'm going to fail, why try? So it, w- <laughs> it wasn't until my life got really, really boring that I decided to change that belief. And it, But it took life coaching to Uncover it and recognize that it was there and then shift it. So, life coaching helps you discover the beliefs that need changing. It helps you change them to ones that are more aligned with your values. Who do I want to be? You know, how, what do I want my attitude towards life to be? My approach towards trying new things and really kind of figuring out what do I value? What do I want? And aligning with that. So, there, I found it very interesting when I was doing research for this, that there are correlations between this super competitive behavior and early trauma. Now, this early trauma could be a hospitalization, a severe illness, a separation from a parent. I mean, like, who knows what's traumatic to a child? So it could be anything. But I thought it was interesting that that competitive children often had like an illness or a hospitalization or some kind of separation, or even if it like just mom worked a lot when they were little and they didn't get as much time with mom as they felt like they wanted to. So there is a correlation, but it still can just happen. I had a, my mom was a stay home mom and I didn't have any trauma and I still picked up some crazy stuff. (laughs) Life is messy. Things happen. You know, we we pick up some weird beliefs about ourselves. It's just, that's life. So our job as moms is not to prevent our children from having negative emotions or experiences. That's not why we're here. It kind of feels like we are. <laughs> but we want them to experience the full range of human emotion. We want them to experience disappointment and sadness and anger and injustice. This is what makes a whole, healthy, well-rounded human being. It's what helps us give compassion to others who are dealing with those emotions. So, We we don't want to take a look at why this is, how this got to be there. It doesn't really matter. What we just focus on is that now she's got these negative thoughts about herself, okay? And so what mom can do is to recognize that it's her issue, her daughter's issue, it's not mom's issue. And you can help your daughter create a different identity as long as you recognize that this is hers and not yours, Because it's so easy to take it on and feel embarrassed or guilty or responsible, and we just got to let all that go. So one of the many things I love about children is that they tell you exactly what they're thinking. We don't have to guess and wonder why Ann's daughter is behaving this way. We know it's because she thinks I don't matter and the team lost because it's my fault. And like she's telling you the sentences that are going through her mind. So your daughter feels like she doesn't matter. Doesn't matter (laughs) where she picked that idea. Almost every client I've ever talked to has a core belief that they're unworthy in some way. So the key is being aware enough to notice that you're believing unhealthy thoughts and then learn how to disbelieve them. That's easier to say when it's your own unhealthy thoughts. But when it's your child, how can we help her? We want to make it really hard for her to continue to believe the thought, I don't matter. And we can do that in three ways. Number one, help her identify as a winner. Right now, it sounds like she identifies as a loser. (laughs) And we want her to identify as a winner. Number two, give her the attention and affection she craves, even if she doesn't admit it. And number three, help her discharge negative emotions. Okay, so the first thing we can do is to help her identify as a winner. When a child wants to be in charge, in control, to be the best, to win, to have the most, they're trying to make themselves feel better kids are ingenious. (laughs) They want an external victory so that they could feel better about themselves for a little while. So let's give it to her. Create a game where your daughter wins every single time and you, mama, you are the loser. You lose again and and again and again so that she starts to identify as the winner, and you as the loser. Kids are very black and white thinking thinkers, so we kind of just want to cater to it. I suggest acting upset. So let's imagine the game is like you're racing up the stairs, and she beats you. You let her win. In my case, she would just win because I. it's very hard to race children upstairs. I find they're better at it than I am. So, uh, So you let her win, and you say, no, I, this is terrible. I lost. I lost again. Like, I want you to be overly dramatic about it, but playful. Like, okay, for this time, for sure, I'm going to beat you. Come on. I need a do-over. Let's try it again. No, I know I can do this. This isn't fair. I can't stand this. Really? Like, it's kind of like we want your daughter to see herself in you. So and watch for your daughter's laughter and delight. When she sees you suffering with this loser status, we want to look and see if we get a little glimmer of glee in her face and expressions. So when she identifies you as the obvious loser, she has no choice but to identify herself as a winner. And so we just kind of keep on doing that until it shifts her identity of like, I'm somebody who wins things. Okay? So I know what you're all thinking. You're like, but what about this is going to create a monster and she's going to be 15 and she's going to think she has to win everything. No. Mm-mm. We need to get her through this black and white thinking time of I'm either a winner or a loser. As she goes older and adolescence, she will understand that there are many nuances and shades of gray on this spectrum. Okay. So number two is to give her the attention and affection she craves. So I want you to use her competitiveness to fill up her love tank. Right now, every time you fill up her love tank with attention and affection, she drains it with these negative self-beliefs. It's like as soon as you give her some positive feedback, she immediately goes to the negative and she loses it. So we want to fill up her love tank by playing games that are competitive and affectionate. So something like, I need five hugs every day and you've only given me one. So I'm going to chase you around the house until you give me four more hugs. I'm not letting you go to bed until I get my hugs. I'm coming to get you. Uh, You can't hide from me. I'm the hug monster. So every time she does something that her baby brother can't do, you reward her with playful affection. Okay, so you got to cater to the age gap, you know, because if if there's closer in age, you can do things differently. But then you've got such the age gap that we want to say like, you buckled your own seatbelt and your brother didn't. You get five kisses. You cleared your plate off the table and your brother didn't. You get, you know, I'm going to hang you upside down. (laughs) You get a piggyback ride. So we're giving her affection and attention. Like, we want her to feel like she's running away from you, like you are really wanting uh, to, you know, like you're chasing her, I guess, basically, um, energetically. So when we're desperately trying to give attention and affection to our kids, it makes it hard for them to believe they don't matter or that they aren't getting enough love or that their brother gets more than them, and we really want to make that belief she has, whatever that jealousy belief is, we want to make it really hard for her to believe it with lots of evidence to prove that it's not true. All right, so the third thing is we want to help her discharge negative emotions. I call it getting the yuck out. So your daughter's been carrying around a lot of negative emotions, and she might look for opportunities to release it. So This sports kind of provides some really good opportunities. Because if you're walking around all day, every day saying, I don't matter, I don't matter, and then somebody steals the ball from you in a soccer game and you get mad and sad, it's kind of like a good opportunity or like an excuse to just let all your emotions out. So you might notice like you pour orange juice instead of apple and she has a meltdown on the kitchen floor her team loses, she blames herself, a ref makes a bad call and your child goes into a tirade against the ref. See these emotional meltdowns as a healthy discharge of negative emotion rather than misbehavior. And what you wanna do is you wanna just like be there with her, hold her, like look at her, give her attention and affection when she's upset. It's not our natural... When our kids throw in a tantrum about the apple juice instead of the orange juice, we want to get annoyed and withdraw. So you really kind of have to do the opposite, override your instincts and move in. And you get down on her level and you can look her in the eye and you can hold her and you can say, oh, the world is so unfair. Like, let her be devastated by the sandwich being cut wrong. Reflect what you see and hear her saying it's so hard to lose a game when you tried so hard to win. Like, that's so sad. You know, hold your boundaries, but do it with kindness. You'd say like, you know, I can't let you go back into the game until you've apologized to your teammate for yelling at her. But like, I can see how upset you are. The other thing is you can do is kind of, um, purposefully and intentionally get the yuck out, like say she comes home from a soccer game and it was very emotional, highs and lows and drama, and you say, hey, honey, I want you to go take a shower and wash off all the yuck. Let all that negative emotion just go down the drain. Water can be really helpful uh, for this kind of stuff, any kind of natural elements, like going outside in nature, you know, I want you to go on the trampoline and jump, until you no longer feel bad, feel yucky. You can give her a cardboard box in the backyard and say, I want you to stomp this down to till it's flat. Or um, aluminum cans are really fun to stomp on too. (laughs) It might be hard for her at seven. So just think about things like deliberately discharge the emotion. What your child needs is your steady confidence that her life will be good that these emotions are real and valid, but temporary. You're not going anywhere, and your child's emotions matter to you. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is believing the first six of your child's life determine their future. Have you heard? 90% of your child's brain is developed by age five. A child's experiences in the early years, positive or negative, nurtured or neglected, have long-term impacts on the child's health, ability to learn, and succeed. Have you heard this? The amount of quality care, interaction, and stimulation your child receives in early childhood determines which brain connections develop and last for a lifetime. Now, I am not arguing that these are not true. All I'm saying is that statements like these turn me into a hypervigilant, freaked out, perfectionistic, and very stressed out mom who refused to take a break from her kids. I felt like I had to be with my baby at all times, constantly like giving the right amount of nurture and stimulation, saying and doing all the right things. It felt like a life or death situation. So to like take a break and spend time by myself or go do something fun, I felt like I couldn't because there's an emergency and the first six years of life are the most important and every single word that comes out of my mouth is going to make or break my child's success in life. It was just (laughs) exhausting. I believed my child's success was in my hands, and I sacrificed my mental, emotional, and physical health for it. So one of the great byproducts of life coaching for me was realizing how easy it can be to change one's beliefs and feelings and actions. Like, I just heard these statistics, and it was so, it felt so permanent. It felt like, you know, that... Once the brain is formed, there's basically nothing else you can do to change it, which is really not true at all. So discovering how to use life coaching you to create a fabulous life for myself and to feel better, like so much better. It took the pressure off of me having to do everything perfectly for my children, that my kids can be happy and successful even if I mess up. Like that was so eye-opening for me. And if you think about it, like think about somebody you know who's a really good mom and then you're like, look at her and you're like, oh yeah, she's really good. Like, she's so patient. Gosh, she's so nice. And do you know anyone that you think is a really good mom, but their kids are kind of like, yeah, not doing so great. You know I anybody mean? Like that? Or maybe you know some... Uh, some kids who'd like turned out amazing but had totally deadbeat moms and you're like how did you turn out so well like there is not this cause and effect that we think there is where it's like the mom is 100% responsible for the child's success in life nothing is set in stone neuroplasticity is amazing And learning how to change your brain in any direction you want is very empowering and takes the pressure off being a perfect parent for your kid. Or like discovering like, oh, my daughter has some negative self-beliefs about herself. That sucks. And now she's going to live with those for the rest of her life. Like that's not something we want to think. We want to realize like there's a lot of things you can do that mom doesn't even have to do. Her daughter can do it when she gets old enough and she wants to. So if my kid is too perfectionistic or anxious and it's stressing him out, he can change that. I don't have to change that for him. If my kid struggles to learn but wants to get good grades, it's totally possible. She can hire a coach. There's so many different kinds of coaches out there. There's academic coaches, there's ADHD coaches, there's weight loss coaches, there's business coaches, there's parenting coaches, there's... Like there is a life coach for any, pretty much anything you want to achieve, find money coaches, like organizing, you name it, there's a coach out there for it. So, you know, recognizing how powerful life coaching is, is really helps to take the pressure off of mom having to do everything perfect or worrying and struggling when she finds out that her kid's got some negative self-beliefs. When we start making important and helpful changes in our own lives, it gives us the confidence to see how our children can do the same. So, believing that your kids' brains are locked in by age six is today's supermom kryptonite. Today's supermom power boost is to try to get your kids on the same team. So, in this example, Anne's got a seven year old and a one year old. And so, it's a little trickier to have. Like kind of pin them against mom, so to speak. When your child is competitive with their sibling, which is, you know, really normal. And you can tell her like a lot of kids feel that way. I would let her know that it's okay to feel that way. And that's very normal. She's jealous of her little baby brother. But when your child is competitive with their sibling, you want to try to find opportunities to get them on the same team by making yourself the loser. So It's like them against you. Like, you both beat me to the car. Oh my gosh, I lose and you guys won. Oh man. (laughs) Let's play the silent game. Who can be quietest the longest? Oh wait, shoot, I just talked. Darn it, I lost again. (laughs) You can lay down on the floor to wrestle with them and only let them pin you if they're working together. And then say, Oh no, you pin me to the ground together. You guys are too strong for me. So, older children, so that's one thing is to get them on the same team against you. Okay. So, they start to identify as your daughter starts to identify as the baby is her partner in crime or her partner in winning. But I also want to suggest uh, for a power boost is that a lot of times the older child, they hear us say, I've got to go get the baby. Like, okay, we have to stop playing our game because I got to pick up the baby. We need to hurry up so I can go tend to the baby. Like we use the baby as a reason to stop the love, the affection, the cuddles, the playing, the whatever. And so I suggest making sure your daughter overhears you saying to the baby, I'm sorry, honey, you'll have to wait. Your sister and I are playing now. Like you can say it to the monitor, the baby monitor, and just like, oh, you've woken up for your nap. Well, your sister and I are in the middle of a game, so you're going to have to wait. Um, or just to, like you go and whisper to the baby and she can overhear you. You're know, like, oh, I can see that you need your diaper change and I will do this. But then I want to get back to playing with your sister. So you're going to have to, you know, sit in your bouncy seat for a while, <laughs> whatever. So we wanted the older child to hear you talking to the baby and saying, I'll get you in a minute, minute, but I need five more hugs from your sister first. And I also recommend just reiterating that word of your sister to the baby. And so that it's not your baby so much as like your sister. We want to just kind of help build that bond so that she sees her brother as an ally and not an adversary today's quote of the day the sign of great parenting is not the child's behavior the sign of truly great parenting is the parents behavior andy smithson all right super moms good luck with those super competitive kids man i have to admit that i find them very entertaining <laughs> when you're not the mom and it's not your child i can, i just enjoy it so much because I think, you know, as a kid, I grew up in a house where I was very um suppressed. like we had to be on good behavior all the time and just kind of, I don't know, I didn't we weren't allowed a lot of exuberance. And so anytime I see dramatic, exuberant children free to express whatever feeling comes out of their little hearts. it just tickles me. <laughs> so if you are worried about what are other people thinking, that's what some other parents are thinking It's like, how great that that kid is expressing themselves and that mom is just being so patient and kind and letting her. So you guys take care of yourselves. Take care of those children. I will love you and leave you want a free life coaching session, go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.